But I want to talk to you this evening just briefly um, about a, two things particularly that Pastor Anderson had talked about during Holy Ghost meetings in California last week. Now, Pastor Nancy, for Sunday morning, Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, and Thursday morning, five mornings in a row, had Pastor Edwin. I don't think she's ever had the same minister do that many mornings in a row. But Jesus uh, basically personally invited Pastor Edwin. And, and she said that publicly. And the reason she said that is because Brother Copeland, uh, he said a number of things about 2021. But one of the things, not in these meetings, but before these meetings on his broadcast, and he also said personally to Pastor Nancy, that one of the things God told him about 2021 is that it is the year of the local church. And, and uh, of course, Brother Copeland has a local church, Eagle Mountain church there that his son-in-law and daughter pastor, but, uh, but you know, he's a traveling minister, so he's not a pastor. And so uh, for a traveling minister, especially somebody of his caliber to say that this is the year of the local church is an interesting statement because usually traveling ministers don't put as much emphasis on the local church, probably as they should. Uh, Dad Hagen was the exception. He had such a revelation of the local church and he was regularly talking about the local church. And he understood that what God is doing in these end days in really the whole church age. It's not called the apostle age. It's not called the prophet age. It's not called the convention center age. It's called the church age because what God is doing in this age since Jesus died and rose again until the church is raptured, he is working with local congregations. And there is a global or universal church, but there is also a, a, a specific local church. And I won't get into all of it now. Maybe I'll talk about it more another time. But Pastor Edwin was teaching us, and he's written a wonderful book. By the way, if you heard him, if you were watching, uh, you can order that book if you want. But we have ordered books for our bookstore directly from him. And because he gets a discount as the author, he's passing that discount on to us. And when you get it, it will be cheaper, not by much, but it will be cheaper than what you can get with Amazon. So Amazon is the cheapest out there, and we will be offering it for less than what Amazon charges. Okay, so uh, if you want to wait, it's going to take a couple weeks, though, because it takes time for them to ship it to him, and then he has to ship it to us. But if you want to wait, uh, then wait. If not, then order it yourself. But it's called Building a Strong Local Church, and it's an excellent, excellent book. And he basically taught excerpts of it for those five mornings. And, um, and one thing that he said, which I'm not focusing on tonight, but I'll just briefly refer to it, is that a lot of people erroneously think that when we hear the word church in the New Testament, that it's referring to the universal or the invisible church. And actually uh, only about, I don't think, what did he say, Jenny, about 20%, give or take, 20% of the references in the New Testament to the word church, only about 20% is referring to the invisible universal church. And the rest, about 80% of the references are talking about specific physical congregations that would meet in specific areas. So the vast majority of times God talks about the church, he's not talking about some invisible universal church. He's talking about specific congregations that he was referring to and that he knows by name. Do you realize well, how, how encouraging that is for us? That means God knows our name, not just Craig Field, you know, and, uh, and Taylor Morris and whatever your name is. He knows promise of life's name. In fact, he gave it to us. He, he told my wife, name the church that. So he knows our name is promise of life. He set our candlestick in its place. He gave us a, a place in the spirit to occupy. He anointed us. He assigned an angel, more than one, to our church to assist me. He assigned me as the pastor, a simple human that stands in an office under an anointing to pastor and to lead this church. He assigned you 
Remember 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says he sets those in the body as it pleases them. He sets them. Now he sets a candlestick. He sets a church in place. And then he sets individual congregation members. It's not haphazard. It's not sporadic. It's not by chance that you're here. God specifically sets the members in the body. And when it says the body, it's not talking about the universal church. It's talking about the individual local church. He sets Christians in local churches. He couldn't set them in a universal body because if you're set in a universal body, you you it's just global. You, you, you're just part of a, a mass of believers and, and, and you don't really have a role and you don't really have a pastor from that perspective. So he doesn't set people in a universal body. He sets people in a local body and the local body is part of the universal body. So in that regard, he set us in the in, in the invisible church in the universal church. But when it talks about he sets the members in particular in the body as it pleases him, he's talking about specific local congregations. And so a lot of people that are really what it comes down to, Jenny, is it's just pride and rebellion. It's stubbornness. It's a lack of humility. They don't want to submit to a pastor. That's why they love running after David Hogan. That's why they love running after after uh, Kenneth Copeland. That's why they love running after these different preachers, because they just go convention after convention, special meeting after special meeting, and there's no accountability. There's no transparency. They can live however they want to live. They can do whatever they want to do, and that traveling minister is not anointed to counsel them, to correct them, and because they're not their pastor. And so they're pastorless, and they're what Dr. Dufresne called church tramps. They jump around without any accountability or responsibility. They're not involved in ministry of helps because nobody trusts them because nobody knows them. They usually don't tithe or they tithe to the traveling minister, which is not scriptural because you're supposed to tithe to where you're fed in the local assembly. There's no one to counsel them. When their marriage is in trouble, they can't go to the traveling ministry because they're not allowed to counsel them. It's against church ethics. So they're, and, and it's just, this is a struggle. And they always feel displaced and they always feel alone. And, and yet they'll go like tramps, like one bridge to the next, one church to the next. And that's why the prophet Ed Dufresne would call them church tramps. It's aptly spoken. And so God doesn't want that. He wants people placed. He sets every member in the local body as it pleases him, not as it pleases you, the member. If you pick the church, you might pick one closest to your home. But that may not be the one he has for you. You might pick a pastor that was very old or that was a certain color skin that you like. Or the building might have to look a certain way or the carpet a certain color or the convenience to the to the to the traffic patterns of the city. Might you might base it on that. It might be because they've got a great missions program or because they do this or because they do that. But you don't pick your church. God places the members in the body as it pleases him. And it's not talking about the universal church, the specific church. So all these people that go on about, oh, you know, it's just Jesus and me. And I, you know, I'm just part of the universal church. They speak ignorantly. They are ignoramuses. They are speaking without knowledge of the Bible because the Bible was is translated into English, but was written in Greek. And if you study the original, original word, 
that those words for church are specific local congregations, not the universal in 80% of cases. So these people, they make stories to, they change doctrines, they make up things to accommodate their own rebellion, their own laziness, their own selfishness, because they don't want to submit to a pastor. They don't want somebody telling them what to do. They don't want to stay settled. They want to jump, 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 jump. They don't want to be in ministry of helps. They want people to serve them instead of being like Jesus and having a servant's heart. They don't want to tie. They just want to give whatever they feel like to whoever they feel like it. And that displeases God. But I'm grateful that we have a local congregation that obviously has a revelation. And if you're listening tonight and you're not part of a local church or you don't have a local church because you've been deluding yourself. And it literally is a delusion that you're that being part of the universal is sufficient. I've got news for you. You're an ignoramus and you need to open your eyes and read your Bible properly by the help of the Holy Ghost. Wigglesworth would say, I don't read in Greek or Hebrew. I read in the Holy Ghost, meaning the Greek and the Hebrew are helpful, but we need revelation of the Holy Ghost. I can tell you what the Greek says and you can still be a church tramp. You can know that 20% applies to universal and that you are misquoting the scripture and still not be part of a local church. Why? Because you don't have revelation. You didn't read the Bible through the Holy Ghost. He has to give us revelation into the word. Now, I'm encouraging you. This wasn't part of my notes, but I felt the Holy Ghost say, you talk to them and you tell them if they are deluding themselves into thinking that they can just float around and they're going to receive all that I have for them, all that God has for them, they are deluding themselves. Uh, You need to be submissive and humble and a servant and bringing a supply and planted like Jeremiah 17, 8, that I said Monday night, that Bible says those that are planted by the rivers and whose roots go down. And keep their focus, keep their attention, not on the heat and the attack, but on the Lord. Those people, their leaf will be green. Those people will not be afraid in the year of drought. Those people will continue to bear fruit and not cease yielding it. But it's for those that are planted. It's for those that are planted. What does Psalm 1 verse 1 say? The the verse 3 says that, that, or I think it's verse 1. Psalm 1 1 says that if you are planted in, in, in by the by trees planted by the rivers of living water that gives fruit in its season yeah. and its leaf is green and does not wither and everything that that person does prospers. Right. That is what the Bible is talking about planting. What did David say? That I'll dwell in the house of the Lord, not the universal. That doesn't have a physical location. I'll dwell in the local house of the Lord forever. That's the last verse in Psalm 23. God is looking for there to be a planting. Praise God. The Bible says also that if you're planted in the house of the Lord, you'll prosper. I can go on and on and on and read scripture after scripture. But this is not really, I'm getting into a tributary, but I felt the Holy Ghost say, say that. So I've said that now, Lord, can I get back to my notes, sir, please? Uh, Because that wasn't really my main message. But I'm telling you, and if you, for the majority of you are, maybe almost all of you, if not all of you, that uh, you already are planted. Let this just serve as an encouragement to you that you're doing the right thing. When the devil comes to lie to you, when the devil comes to whisper to you and say, you don't really need to be a part of the church. Don't you know the church is invisible? You don't really need to go. I'm disarming that lie Uh because that's not what the Bible says. And the few times it is mentioned about the universal church, it's mentioned in specific theological ways with a specific purpose. 
but not to give an excuse for people to be unfaithful. Amen. Even when the universal church is mentioned in the New Testament, it's never done from the angle to give people an excuse not to be a part of the local Amen. church. Amen. The local is always first, but there is a universal because I have brothers and sisters in other parts of Mississauga. There's other churches in Russia. There's other churches in China. There's underground churches. There's above ground churches. There's all kinds of churches. And we're all part of the family of God. But that is not an excuse to ignore your role and supply in a physical local church. Right. Praise God. And so don't let the devil deceive you on that. Don't let things on the Internet deceive you on that. Amen. Stay focused. You are doing the right thing by being planted in a body under a pastor. That is, that's what pleases God. Hallelujah. But I wanted to share something else. There was two things. He shared five, five sermons, Jenny, at, at least an hour each. So that was five hours of note taking and wonderful. And, uh, but just there's lots that was wonderful that I probably will share over, over time. Uh, because it's just good for you just to hear it. You're part of the local church. You need to hear it more often. But uh, but because Brother Copeland said this is the year of the local church, the Lord said to Pastor Nancy, invite Pastor Edwin to do these meetings all morning, all the mornings. Uh, because And so she basically said Jesus invited him, and that's why she had him do all the mornings, because there's a focus and emphasis on the local church being taught on and being strong yes. in 2021 by a senior prophet, Brother Copeland. And so Pastor Anderson, who's a teacher and a pastor, he's not a prophet, brought, he, Brother Copeland spoke it, but then he brought the, he brought the meat to the yes. bones, so to speak, yes. and he taught on it from he his sure book. Did. And it was awesome and wonderful, awesome. and it really helped me. Uh, I, I knew a lot of what he taught, but there was some new stuff that I didn't know that I learned myself and further revelation I got on even items that I already knew. I got more revelation. There's always more to get. Even if you've heard it, there's always more. But as I'm listening in those morning meetings, two things he said, God spoke to me on just two. And he probably said, what, 40 or 50 different individual points that I wrote down. Only two, he said, I want you to immediately tell the congregation those two things. Now the others, I'll probably get to over time because all of it should be said and repeated, but just two emphases that he made. He said, when you get home, tell the congregation quickly, don't wait months and months or even weeks and weeks, tell them right away. And this is more or less right away. And he said, I want you to emphasize these two points. The first point that he told me to emphasize is this, to, to encourage you and help you understand something that I don't think I've ever said. And I knew this, Jenny, but he phrased it in a way that taught me something. I got more revelation. Yeah. It wasn't that I maybe didn't know it at all, but I got more when he taught on this. And I need to share this with you. He was teaching, and of course, this is scriptural, that there is a preaching and teaching anointing, and there is a pastoral anointing. Yes. And the pastoral anointing is not, it's not the same as the teaching and preaching anointing. What? And, I, and a lot of people think, Listen to me closely and you'll be helped. A lot of people think, well, if, if one pastor craves teaching or preaching, I really need to show honor. I need to show up. I need to watch. I need to be there. I need to listen. I need to receive. I need to write notes. I need to show honor because that's when his pastoral anointing is going to help me. And that's an erroneous view because the, the teaching yeah, and preaching yeah. anointing only comes when I stand behind a pulpit. Occasionally it comes if I'm counseling somebody, but not very often. 
but it comes the teaching or preaching anointing. Preaching is more inspirational and it's more, it's more uh, proclaiming and declaring, whereas teaching is more instructional and informational and it's, and it's more getting into the nitty gritty. And, and I do a combination of both preaching and teaching usually. But uh, but usually more teaching than preaching. But there's a combination there. Whereas most pastors don't do the preaching that the preaching order to come on them at all, or very very rarely. But but it comes on me quite frequently, and that's because I'm not just a pastor. I also have another office that I that I'm yeah. getting more skillful in, and so that preaching anointing is is for multiple purposes. But my point is is that when I stand here and I preach and teach, an anointing comes on me to do that. Uh, but God paints me with Himself. That's yes. what the anointing. Is. It means to paint somebody with God himself. God puts a, a measure of himself on me for me to speak and proclaim and, 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 to, and, to, and to have the ability supernaturally to, to declare and teach what he wants the people to understand and know. But the, So when I'm preaching and teaching, the preaching and teaching anointing is on me, but the pastoral anointing is also on me. Right. And this is what a lot of people don't understand. The pastoral anointing is on me all the time. But the teaching and preaching anointing is only on me when I stand behind a pulpit or occasionally when I might counsel or be dealing with the situation, then that preaching or teaching anointing might come on me briefly and lift. But 90, 95%, 99%, it's on me when I'm behind the pulpit. Amen. But the pastoral anointing is on me all the time. Because I stand in an office and I don't step out of that office because I go to sleep. I don't step out of that office because I get in the shower. I don't step out of that office because I go and I travel to Africa. I don't step out of that office because I go and I have lunch. Because God's called me to that office, I stand in that office all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year. I'm in that office. Amen. That means the pastoral anointing is always on me. The teaching and preaching anointing is not always on me. But the pastoral anointing is. Amen. That's why, Jenny, God talks to me at all different times all different about congregation members, yeah. sometimes at the weirdest times, mm -hmm. the most unspiritual un times, uh -huh. then when I'm not even praying, because I'm always under that pastoral anointing because I stand in that pastoral office. And if you, now here's the kicker if you only show honor and attention and respect and alertness when I'm teaching and preaching, you will rob yourself of the pastoral anointing yeah. that is open to you for to help you at other times. Yeah. Some people, I believe they would listen to me if I preached right at them from the pulpit. Right. But when I talk to them in the counseling session, they feel it's optional. Sure. When, uh, when, I'm, when I make a comment in the hallway about their love walk, well, that doesn't really matter because he's not really anointed right now. And so they miss things because they're only receiving as I preach and teach. But what they don't understand is the pastoral anointing is there to help them all the time, not just when I preach and teach. And I got more revelation on this, Jenny, and yeah. it really, really helped me. And Pastor Anderson said something which I thought was was very appropriate and I and I hope will help you if you'll if you'll have the humility to listen. Because this has happened many times. So I love the fact that he gives simple examples that I think every pastor can can relate can appreciate to. and relate to. Yeah. Because this has happened to me, I don't know, a hundred times more than that. When I'll come in, something simple. This is something simple. Yeah. But many of you have violated this. Now, I can honestly say I've never violated this. Even when I worked under somebody 
I was very careful not to do this, but not everybody has the attitude that I have. And he gave this example, and I'm going to give it to you. When I come in, let's say it's a Bible school or it's a Wednesday night, or maybe it's not as full of a service. It's maybe not our main service. And I say, folks, please, would you move to the front? Please, would you come closer? Because it helps me when you're closer instead of all being splintered and fragmented and set apart. And I look and some people just sit there with their arms crossed and they will not move. And, and, And I'll even have the usher go and then they'll give the usher the dirty eye. And they won't move. Now, listen, the pastoral anointing is on me when I ask you to move. For you not to listen to that, even on a simple, simple request. What you're doing is you are sowing a seed of of, of dishonor against that pastoral anointing. What you're basically saying is, no. I don't care about the pastoral anointing and I don't care about the pastoral office. You're not going to tell me what to do and I ain't moving my seat. Now that seems like a small thing and it is a small thing, but that small attitude of rebellion against that office is going, it's sowing a seed. You're going to reap a harvest whether you realize it or not, because whatsoever a man sows, God is not mocked. He shall also reap. And that's not just money. That's everything. That's your words. That's your actions. That's your attitude. That's everything. Now, when you say that and you get rebellious about something like that and dig your heels in, what you're doing in the, to God, to the, to the chief shepherd, I'm just the under shepherd, but what you're saying to the Lord, you don't mean to say it and you don't even realize you're saying it, but you're saying it. What you're saying is, I don't care about the pastoral anointing. I don't care. I don't submit to that. Right. I don't care what this is his opinion right now. This is Pastor Craig's soul. This is Pastor Craig's emotions. I only listen when he's under the anointing, when he's preaching. But you should listen and respond at all times because the pastoral anointing is always there even when the preaching and teaching anointing is not. And if you are sowing seeds of rebellion and dishonor against that flow, what happens is you'll start to harden your heart whether you realize it or not. And then you'll find it harder when you sit there under the so-called which is, it is true, I'm not mocking, but under the bigger anointing, under the preaching anointing, under the teaching anointing, when you know, we're in the main part of the deal here, you will not receive as much from that anointing because you dishonored the pastoral anointing when I asked you to do the simple task. And Pastor Nancy said to me, and this lines up, Jenny, she said, I've noticed people that refuse ministry of helps, they can't receive from me properly as a pastor. Now, you know why she says that? And I've noticed that. Oh, my God, that's the truth. Because I'm asking you under a pastoral anointing. Yes. It's not a preaching anointing. It's not real bold and make your hair stand on end or make you shout and dance and buck and snort and your wigs flicking. Um, it's not that kind of. But I'm just asking you, please help in the ministry of God. But that's the pastoral anointing. And when you push against that and say, no, I'm not doing that. That's just Pastor Craig. That's not God. But you're wrong. It is God through me in the pastoral office. When I ask you to do that and you stand against me and you put your will against me and you say no, what you are doing is you are withstanding and resisting the pastoral office and the pastoral anointing. And then when I'm under the preaching anointing, because you've done that to the pastoral anointing, you'll find you won't receive the same way. You won't get healed the same way. When you come up to the altar, I'm not manipulating, I'm telling you the truth. You won't receive to the same measure that you could 
because you violated spiritual law. You've taken you've taken a stand against a flow of the spirit and you didn't hardly even realize you were doing it. Many of you, I would say probably all of you, if you're doing it, you don't even mean to do it. You don't even know what you're doing. You don't realize how dangerous it is and how wrong it is. And then you get frustrated. Well, how come I'm not getting this? And how come this is not working for me? And, and you don't get as much in the services. And you don't get as much revelation from the preaching. And you don't, this thing doesn't work right. And at the altar, you don't see... And you, you get frustrated, and then you, the devil starts saying, well, that's because you're not really supposed to be in this church. You see, you're in the wrong church. If you go down where the grass is greener, you'll get it all. But no, it's nothing to do with being in the wrong church. It's that you don't honor the pastoral anointing. You only honor the preaching anointing. And so when the preaching anointing is going, you can't receive fully in the services because outside the services, you showed resistance and dishonor. And you stood against that pastoral anointing and you didn't even realize you did it. I'm not saying to them, Jenny, this is not a slap on the wrist like you awful bad person, because I know the people's hearts. And maybe one out of a thousand would do it intentionally to be rebellious and and knowing that they're going to hurt God and knowing they're going to not receive from the other types of flows. And they do it anyway. Most people are not that stubborn and mean spirited. Most people, they just don't really get it. They think when he does his thing, this is the anointing and that's what I'm going to pay attention. But afterward, it's just him. It's just Pastor Craig. It's his opinion about where I sit. It's his opinion if I help in the ministry of health. It's his opinion if I do this or if I do that. And I don't really have to listen because it's his opinion. And what I'm trying to teach you and what Pastor Edwin really got over to us, and I got greater revelation on it and even some new revelation on it that I didn't really know before, that it's not about uh, it's not just my opinion and just in a natural way, me asking you to do something. It, I'm under that pastoral anointing and I'm in that office all the time. And when I see you in the hallway and talk to you, pay attention because that pastoral anointing is working for you. Now I'm jokey and I'm fun and I have lots of fun and I pat you on the back and 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 it does you know it's not always a spiritual sense but that pastoral anointing is always working. Amen. There, let me give you an example. There's a man in our church uh, and and he's a precious brother. I won't say his name, but he's a precious brother and uh, he really showed honor for that pastoral anointing. I mean, real honor. I mean, it didn't matter where I was. It wasn't just when I was preaching. It's if I called him, it's in the counseling room, it's in the hallway. He just showed honor for me as a pastor. And one day I was walking from the green room to the thing, and I had no idea that he had agonizing back pain. I, God didn't lead me. I wasn't thinking. I didn't have a word of knowledge, and I certainly wasn't aware of the healing anointing. I'm just being a normal human being. And as he was on the aisle seat, and as I round the corner to go down the center aisle to my seat, I just tapped him on his back just lightly, just to basically say, hey, brother, love you, just to let him know that I love him. He was singing. Well, did you know that the power of God went into his body and his back was healed that day? And he told me after, and I said, Lord, that don't make no sense. I didn't pray for him. I didn't release my faith, Jenny, for the healing anointing. It was just a tap. It didn't mean anything. How could that work? The woman with the issue of blood put a demand on that. But he wasn't putting a demand. He didn't even know I was going to touch him. I said, Lord, how does that work? And the Holy Ghost started ministering to me because of his honor for you and the pastoral office, because he takes it seriously, because he pays attention, because he listens yeah. to you. Because of that honor he shows for the pastoral office, even something that was non-spiritual allowed the power of God to flow into yeah. his body. I hope, I hope you're listening because that's a good example of how this works. 
So this, you can take this wrong like I'm trying to twist it, like I'm trying to manipulate you. And if, if a pastor has the wrong motive and if he has the wrong heart, he can use this to control the sheep. Well, I don't think you should do that. I don't think you should date that person. I wouldn't buy that car. That's what the shepherding movement came out of, which is basically cultish behavior where the pastor controls. And I am not talking about that, not even a little bit. Zero of that is what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is pay attention because as your pastor, I'm under a pastoral anointing all the time. Whether I feel it or not, it's operating. Whether I'm being fun and and just cavalier and whatever, that pastoral anointing is still there. That office is still operating. It doesn't mean that every single thing I say that you need to write it down because that's an extreme too. It is. Oh, he said hello to me. Let me write that down. That's ridiculous. I'm not talking about weirdness and getting in the ditch, okay? Because I'm not some big person that you that you're like. You understand what I'm saying? I'm just saying, be aware. I'm aware of Pastor Nancy. Maybe I could use that as an example, Jenny. I'm aware of her. I'm aware of Pastor Nancy all the time. And when I'm at her home, which she graciously invites me to occasionally and my wife, when we eat with her, when we travel with her, we see her, you know, when she doesn't have her makeup on, we see her when she's just being a normal person. I've seen her on days where she's been upset because of situations going on that hurt her feelings. I've seen her on days where she's very quiet and I know she's physically exhausted and tired. I've seen her very lively and happy and she's joking every three minutes. I've seen her. And even though I know she's a person, she's a human, not everything she says is God. I'm aware that that spiritual parenting anointing for me, she's not a pastor to the sheep, but she's a pastor to her spiritual sons and daughters. So she still has that pastoral anointing working in her. That's why she told us you can still call me pastor because the congregation members, I'm not pastoring, but I pastor ministers. So I'm, she's my pastor, but I'm aware. I don't be weird and everything now is super spiritual. Oh my God, she looked at me. Let me me take that napkin and never throw it away. I'm not talking about weird stuff. I'm saying I'm aware. I know she's normal. I know she's human, but I'm always aware that pastoral anointing anointing is always on her. That anointing is always on her. And if she asks me to do something simple or small, I do it just like that because I honor that anointing. I don't just honor it when she's in the pulpit. I honor it when she's in the back room. She doesn't even have to ask me certain things. I honor that anointing when I see something is not working right, uh, especially when I travel with her. I'm very, very particular. When I see the stewardesses on the plane, she wants something, I'll stand up and go get their attention and say, go serve that lady right now. She wants this refill. You say, well, you don't need to do that, but I'm honoring that anointing. I'm honoring her as a person, but she's always in that anointing. That anointing is always there for me. I recognize the role it is in my life, and I'm not just going to pay attention to what she says to me. I'm even going to pay attention to what she doesn't say to me, and I'm going to make an effort to not only submit, but even take the initiative to help and bring her aid and bring her supply and make her life easier in any way that I can. In any way that I can, because I honor that anointing. I don't know if I'm saying it right. I don't know, Jenny, if I'm explaining it the way that I feel it in my heart, because it's such a fine line between manipulation and what I'm saying. I'm not trying to make you feel controlled or anything like that. What I'm simply saying is don't just pay attention to instructions when I'm preaching. Pay attention to instructions when I'm outside of the preaching and teaching anointing. When I'm in the counseling room, pay attention because that pastoral anointing is working. When I'm in the hallway, even if I'm joking, pay attention because a lot of times I'll joke and I'll be funny, but then I'll say something. Yeah. And, and, and I'm breaking the ice with my humor 
because what I'm saying is slightly corrective and I don't want to hurt anybody and I don't want to make, I don't want to ruin the mood, Jenny. So I kind of get a bit, a little bit funny sometimes with humor to, with a bit of honey, the medicine goes down. Do you know what I mean? I don't want the conversation to be bitter. So I, but then I'll, I'll say something that has a little bit of a, a point to it, a little bit of an edge to it because I'm trying to get your attention. And most people, it goes right over their head. And I can tell Jenny, by the way they respond, they didn't get it. So now I either have to be very confrontational for them to get it, or I have to wait till I preach in the pulpit. But I'm not always supposed to preach that stuff from the pulpit. It's just a little instruction to them. And I say it sometimes with humor to make it easier for them to swallow. But if they only respect the preaching anointing, they won't pay attention and they'll miss cues that the Holy Ghost is giving them through me in the non-preaching, just simple pastoral office that is with you all the time. Praise God. Amen. I'm real serious about this. Amen. That's why, you know, Jenny, I just, I keep, the Lord keeps giving me examples. That's why, you know, sometimes, and I would question myself, well, why am I bothered by this? But when I would email congregation members or text congregation members and they wouldn't respond, uh, what? A one word answer. Or, or they'd respond, I'm asking them something and they give a one word answer, which is basically a rude way to do it. Yeah. That shows that they're offended, but but many times they wouldn't respond at all. And, and and I personally may get a bit annoyed because that's lack of social graces and lack of res- lack of respect, basically, because you shouldn't do that to those that are over you. But in my spirit, they'd be grieving, and I'd say, Lord, why are you grieved? I understand me being annoyed up here in my soul realm, but why are you grieved? And then I started to learn the reason the Holy Ghost was grieved is because they have dishonored that pastoral office Mm -hmm. by ignoring me, by being disrespectful, by even not responding the way I asked them to. You know, some of my senior leaders, and if you're a senior leader, you better listen to me right now because I'm speaking to you by the Spirit. Some of you I'm still after all the time to respond to emails. What you are doing is disrespecting my pastoral office when I have to have my staff chase you because you don't have the decency to check your emails and respond in a timely fashion. And I fully expect that to stop tonight or you will find yourself that you're not a senior leader for much longer. And I'm serious about it. Now, you see, I have to get confrontational, Jenny, because I've said it over and over and over. And Taylor has said it and Taylor has said it and Lorraine has said it and they still don't do it. What are they doing? Oh, he doesn't really matter. These are leaders, congregation members that are struggling with this. So, you know, some of you give yourself a pat on the back. You're not even a leader and you act more spiritual than some of my leaders. But they just respond when I'm preaching. But when I'm not preaching, it doesn't really matter. That's just Pastor Craig. But I'm always under that office. Respect should always be shown. Doesn't mean that everything I say is spiritual, but pay attention because sometimes what I, I might say 10 things, but one is spiritual. And if you're not paying attention, you'll miss it. And that might be your rescue. That might be your answer. It might not be in the counseling room and it may not be behind the pulpit, but that was your answer. But you missed it because you've got a general attitude of if he's not preaching, I don't really care. Right. Do you think, Jenny, help me? Because it's hard. It's harder than you think to preach with nobody here. Okay? Because I see Ollie and he looks at me like I've got six heads and four horns, you know, because poor Ollie doesn't understand. You're helping them discern the pastoral office and you and I have had to do it with pastor. My wife said you're helping them discern the pastoral office because you, her and I have had to learn that with Pastor Nancy. Praise God. So I'm not trying to control. I'm not trying to make it sound like everything I say is important because it's certainly not. But I am trying to help you understand, be respectful, be honorable to the pastoral office and anointing because it's always there. Mm 
And, and many times there'll be an answer. There'll be a rescue. There'll be a help. There'll be a clue. There'll be a hint. There'll be a nugget that the spirit of God prompts me to say, but I'm not going to schedule an appointment for it because I'm overwhelmed as it is with appointments. And I'm not always going to say it behind the pulpit because I'm not going to remember while I'm talking to you in the hallway. It's just there right there. And so I'll say it, but I might, you know, Lester Summerall never put honey. He just spoke it. And whether you choked on it or not, he went, huh, devils, <laughs> you know, rebels, whatever. But, you know, he, that was his personality. He didn't cope much things. He just said it. If you took it, you took it. If you didn't, it's your loss. I try to code it with some with compliments and with humor and with things, but don't let that dissuade you. Don't let that distract you. Like what I'm saying doesn't matter because a lot of times there'll be a little answer. I might say 30 statements, but the one answer that you need, you miss because you disregarded me because I'm just Pastor Craig and I'm not behind the pulpit. So be careful on that. Yeah. Praise God. I don't know if that's helping you or not, but I, I yes. hope that it does. Let me read you 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 12. 1 Thessalonians Chapter 5 and verse 12. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly for their works sake and to and be at peace among yourselves. Now, the only way this has to be talking about a pastor, because the word know means to see and to see intently, to watch. You don't see past Brother Copeland's inner workings because he's away from you other than the pulpit. But you see your pastor in the pulpit. You see him outside the pulpit. You see him at the barbecues. You see me in lots of scenarios. And so to know somebody which labors among you means to watch them closely. You can't watch somebody who's a traveling minister closely because you're not around them enough. So we know theologically this is talking about the pastor and are over you. That doesn't mean I control you. That means I take responsibility to teach you in the Lord and I encourage and admonish, which also means correct you. Now to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Basically what it means here is for their pastoral ministry's sake. You are to highly esteem me for the sake of my ministry or the sake of my office or the sake of my anointing. Can you see that? If you if you just it didn't say for their preaching sake, because if you're only highly esteeming me and what I say in my role in your life when I'm under the preaching anointing, you'll miss my ministerial pastoral anointing. And there is to be an esteem or a regard or a respect shown for the pastoral ministry's sake, or we could say the pastoral office's sake, or the pastoral anointing's sake. There has to be a regard. There has to be esteem for that. Now, if you if you don't show honor, uh, let, me, let me read my note to you. Showing esteem or honor for the pastor's ministry, his ministry's sake, means you show honor to the pastor and the pastor's ministry to you, even outside the preaching anointing. If you don't show honor in one arena of ministry, like you won't move forward, you won't do this, you won't do that, you won't fully receive the pastoral office in the and the anointings in the other arenas, like the preaching arena. Praise God. Yeah. All of this, everything is in the pastoral anointing. Not everything is the preaching anointing. Dishonor in one arena affects your ability to receive from the anointing in another arena. So don't just show honor for the preaching, show honor for my pastoral ministry's yes, sake. It's not just my preaching anointing's sake, it's my ministry's anointing, my pastoral office's sake. Do you see that in the word? That's what it's talking about. 
Praise God. Let me give you one more scripture, very important. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17. Praise the Lord. And the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 17, obey them. That just means to show submission. Okay. Doesn't mean obey anything and everything they say. It just means to recognize their authority and show submission to them that have rule over you. It's talking about your pastor because technically brother Copeland and pastor Nancy and others that travel, they don't really have rule over you in the service. When I delegate them authority to preach, they do, but on a day-to-day living they don't interact with you. So they don't really, they don't really, you don't submit to them that way because they don't interact with you. But a pastor interacts with you on a weekly and sometimes even daily basis, depending on who you are. And so there's a submission that comes yeah. obey them or submit to them that have rule over you and submit yourselves. Now watch now. For they watch, who's they? The pastor watches. See, uh, Brother Copeland doesn't watch for your soul. And Brother Copeland's not going to even account for you. But I'm going to watch. I watch for your soul and I'm giving an account for you. Now, for they, the pastor, watch for your soul as they that must give an account. I have to give an account for you when I stand before Jesus. So I take it seriously. Now, watch now. Then there's a comma that they may do it. Now, what is the it? I used to think that that was giving the account that I would give an account, Jenny, in joy. Right. But that's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about that if you studied in the original language. What it's saying is they watch for yourself. Now, it's almost like put it in brackets because it's a separate thought. As they that must give an account, it's its own thought. Now, let's not put they that must give an account because it's its own separate thought. Because right. that's when we get to heaven. But it's talking about the pastoral ministry on earth. So the, the flow of the sentence is talking about the earth not primarily about heaven, but there's a little bracket there that's separated by commas where it's referring to what's going to happen in heaven, which is me giving an account in heaven for you. But the rest of it's all talking about earth. If you studied in the Greek, you'll see what I'm saying is right. Obey them that have ruled over you and submit yourselves for they, the pastor, watch for your soul, as they that must give an account, that they may do it, what? That they may watch for your soul on the earth with joy and not with grief, For that, what? Grief is unprofitable, not for them, but for you. I am watching for your soul here on earth. I'm watching over you on the earth right now, flesh and blood. I'll give an account later, but this verse is talking about me watching for your soul on the earth. I am watching for your soul that I may watch for your soul with joy and not with grief. And that word means sorrow. Now, let me give you the exact definition in in the original. It means groanings. Grief means groanings for a lack of appreciation. When I watch over your soul, let me do it with joy and not with sorrow or grief or groanings. Why would a pastor groan? Because the person does not appreciate the word, the anointing, the office, the flow, and the supply the pastor has to bring them. When the person doesn't respect and appreciate the pastor's supply, the pastor can tell that that person is not getting it and doesn't want to receive it. And then they're watching over them, but there's a sorrow and a grief and a groaning in the pastor because they're sitting bored. They're not getting it. Now, why is it unprofitable to the person? Because if you don't receive fully from the pastoral flow, office and anointing and supply of the word and the spirit, you won't profit. Revelation won't come to you. Healing won't come to you the way it should. Uh, 
a favor, success, increase won't come to you the way it should. In other words, you're not profiting. Why? Because you're not receiving all the pastor has to offer you. And the pastor's groaning, not because he's mad at you, but because he's sad because he sees that you're not receiving him. And if you don't receive him, Part of this is back in the previous verse, showing esteem, showing respect, showing honor. If you're not receiving and receiving properly from him, not just the preaching, but the pastoral anointing, showing esteem for his ministry office sake, then he gets grieved. He groans, he sorrows, he sighs because he knows they're not getting all that they should, Jenny. They're not receiving all that my supply has for them in my office, and therefore they're not going to profit. Because if they'll receive my anointing in my office, they'll profit from it. The, the, the healing will come. The prosperity will come. The revelation will come. The favor will come. All this stuff, the gathering. Remember, the pastoral anointing gathers and strengthens, according to Matthew 11. Without the shepherd anointing, you're scattered and weak, but with it, you're gathered and strengthened. All this stuff comes. You begin to profit as your life gets put together. Not because I'm important, but because the anointing in my office is what's yeah. important. I'm not the big picture, but I stand in an office. It's the office that I magnify. Romans, uh, I believe it's chapter 13. Paul says, I magnify my office. I don't magnify me. I don't magnify my knowledge, my ability, and my education, my money, my charisma, my ability to speak. I magnify my office. Why? Because it's the office that has the anointing in it. It's the office that I stand in. Without the office, I'm just a regular person. And I'm very aware of that. I humble myself on that on a regular basis. So let me tell you here that with 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 you're not if you can't receive fully from me and from my office, I groan, I grieve, I'm sorrowful because I know you're not gonna you're not gonna profit. You're not gonna make it in certain areas. And I want you to make it in certain areas. So let me watch over you with joy, knowing you're receiving and that you're profiting, not sadness that you're not receiving and therefore you're not going to profit fully because at office you won't receive it. Why? Because you only receive it in certain arenas, but you show disregard and disrespect in other arenas. But you are to esteem me, not just for my preaching sake, but for my ministry, my pastoral office's sake. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, I have to share the last point and I won't be long. It's 8.59, but I won't take more than a few minutes. But this is a short point. But please listen, because I don't want to have to come back to this later when I'm in this flow right now. Uh, I, I felt the Lord say the second thing. So the first thing is receive me right. Hallelujah. And you'll, and you'll profit. And pay attention to what I'm telling you, not just when I'm preaching, but at other times. Do it within a good taste, with common sense and, 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 and a reasonable approach. Not everything I say is spiritual, but pay attention because many times answers will come. Even when I have said a whole bunch of statements to you that's just fun, but then there'll be something that comes from that pastoral office. And if you're always in an attitude of respect and, and yes, laugh and have fun, but you're always listening. When I'm with Pastor Nancy, I laugh and have fun, but I'm, I've got my antenna up all the time just in case that anointing works for me, in case God has something for her to say to me. And so many times, Jenny, she'll be in the middle of the joke yeah. and the next sentence, still something, and the Holy Ghost will say, there's your answer. Yeah. But because I'm always alert, I'm always attentive. I'm not weird and writing everything she says down because not everything's necessary, but I'm always aware of that pastoral anointing because it's going to help me. That's what I'm trying to say to you. Now, the last point and the the second point is this. Tell the people that the decisions the parents make regarding how they treat the local church will affect their children's long-term decisions for God. It's true. 
And he said, you tell them that. Now he specified a certain lady to me. Of course, I'm not gonna say her name over the, over the broadcast, but he said to me, a lady in our church, and he said, she is dishonoring the local church because of this reason and that reason. And this family member says not to come. And that family member tells her it's not necessary. And this, and, and it seems that her, it seems to the natural mind, like she's justified, but God is displeased because he doesn't find it justifiable. And the children that are in that family are paying attention to the decisions the mother is making because the father is not saved. And when the mother shows the children by action, she may not say it, Jenny, but her actions speak louder than her words. When she shows, we don't go to church. And it does not really matter during COVID whether we go or not. We're not really making the effort to go to youth group. And we're not making, when those children are processing and what you're doing is you're teaching your children that the local church and the anointing and the office of the pastor is not that important. And you're showing it by your action. And you are going to affect your children's long-term futures by how you as the parent treat the local church and the pastor. Yes. I'm telling you, it's true. I've heard many ministers say, and Pastor Anderson said the same thing. I've heard many ministers personally say, quote unquote, I'm serving God today. Because my parents and grandparents made the right decisions regarding the local church. Pastor Anderson himself said, I'm in the ministry today because my grandparents and my parents, even though they didn't know all that we know, they weren't word of faith. They didn't understand the doctrine that we have. They were far behind us, so to speak, doctrinally. But they had a hunger and they had a loyalty and they could have been offended many times and quit the local church. But they pushed through that offense and they stayed put with that pastor. And he said publicly, he said, if it wasn't for them doing that, I very likely would have not been put in the local church because they would have got offended and left. Or I would have seen the pastoral office as not that important. Or we would have been church tramps jumping around because every time they get offended, they leave. And I would have got a distaste for the church of God in general because we keep bouncing around and, and, and I can't set my roots down and make friends and feel like I'm, I'm actually pastored by somebody because every time my parents get offended, we leave and go somewhere else. And I'm constantly having to get used to new pastors. And he said, if it wasn't for my grandparents and parents, I wouldn't be in the ministry. I can say the same thing. If it wasn't, I was called from a young child. But if it wasn't for my mother's faithfulness, and the, I remember we'd go to Living Waters Church by the sea in Durban North. The ocean was just a stone's throw away. You could hear the waves sometimes. And, and Sunday night, I would rather stay home. We only had two channels. I think Murder, She Wrote came on every night, but I'd still rather stay home and watch Murder, She Wrote than go to church sometime. But she said, no, we're going to church. And she would tuck. We had the pews and I would go. She'd let me get my blanket and my little Creer's uh, George or whatever book that I like. And we didn't have any electronics back then. And I would just sit under the right under the thing. Her feet were right in front of me, you know, and I would just I wasn't really listening, but I would read. But I was in church. And every now and then I'd hear a, a, a funny thing that he was saying or an interesting story. And I'd kind of crawl up and I'd look. And when I got bored, I'd crawl back down under the thing. And a lot of other kids did that. But my mom taught me, we go to church. Whether you're bored or not, we go to church. Whether it's late or not, we go to church. Whether there's something on television or not, we go to church. And she trained me. And I'm telling you, I owe much of my success. And I know Jenny does as well because her mother... And my mother, when it wasn't convenient and when it would have been easy to get offended and leave, they stayed the course and honored their pastor in the local church. And it put something in me and my wife. And parents, if you're not doing that, you're a fool. You are training your children in dishonor by your actions. You might say all the right words, but your actions mean more than even your words. 
So do what I'm telling you and show honor parents. It's so important. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart. Let me give you a quote as I close. Pastor Anderson said, very little lasting impact, very little lasting impact for the kingdom of God is produced by the Christian, the individual Christian, apart from their supply that they bring to the local church. When, when you're out, God is working with churches. Now you can go out and witness and have some success and some help and some supply and some lasting impact for the kingdom. But as an individual human being, apart from the flow of a local church, a candlestick set, an anointing and a pastor and brothers and sisters around you, as an individual Christian, you have very little lasting, lasting supply and help produced for the kingdom as a whole, isolated on your own. But when you're part of a group, when you're part of a vision, when you're part of an anointing, a candlestick, a church that has been set, an angel, a pastor, and a group that is going in unity in the same direction, your supply that you bring multiplies its lasting impact for the kingdom. But you separate out and you be a church trap, your lasting supply. And if you don't believe me, just wait till you get to heaven and see the, the rewards that you thought you're going to get that you don't get. Because you weren't part of the flow of the church age. It's called the church age. Praise God. Amen. Being rightly connected to the local church starts a spiritual legacy in your family. If Let me say this. If you left suddenly from the local church for whatever reason, would there be any disruption to the ministry? If your answer is not an, a resounding yes, then you are living a selfish life. That's what Pastor Anderson said. If you left suddenly your local church, would there be any disruption? If you could leave and nothing nothing is disrupted, you're living a selfish life because it means that you come and go and we don't really, there's nothing that you're doing. But when you come and you bring a supply, both financially, ministry of helps, worship, and the whole deal, when you bring your supply, if you were to suddenly go, they would be, we would feel the loss. There would be a disruption. Yeah. Oh, that person. We really needed their anointing in this. We really needed their prayer, their prayer assignment, that they, they played that instrument. They were so wonderful at cleaning. Oh, they were so good at that. Oh, they were so good at research. And, and, and they brought their supply and they helped financially. And I mean, we should feel the disruption when people leave. Many people leave, Jenny. I'm so grateful that they left. Not only is there no disruption, there's relief because they were hindering the anointing because of their rebellion. But then occasionally people do leave and I really feel the disruption. Yeah. And then God has to replace them. In other words, you're very valuable to the local church. Get involved. Do your part. Bring a supply. Let it be said of you that if you left, we would be left in the lurch because we need you. You're, you're, you're doing, you're bringing something that nobody else can bring because of your individual specific supply. Remember, Ephesians 4 says that we all, as joints that bring a supply, according to the measure of the working of every part, we individually bring our own unique supply, unique measure. Don't compare yourself to anybody. You bring a unique supply with the measure according to the working of God in your heart, and it's valuable and it's precious. And if you leave, there should be, we should feel it. Praise God. I don't want you to leave. Don't leave. But I'm saying, if people leave, there should be, yeah. we should feel it because they were such a valuable asset. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. I'm telling you by the spirit, God said, tell those two things. Tell them. Now, I added a little bit at the beginning about the universal church, but I just felt prompted to do that at the moment. But the two things he said to me last week in the Holy Ghost meetings, he said, tell them 
to respond to you and respect you and show honor, not just when you preach, but at all times, because that pastoral anointing never has an off switch. Mm. And many times there'll be answers and victories and, 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 and nuggets and rescues and help and supply that comes even when you're outside the pulpit, but because they're too carnal to receive it because they won't highly esteem you for your pastoral ministry's sake. And then when they don't, then you grieve and you get sorrowful because you know they're not profiting because they're not receiving. The second thing is, he said, tell the parents. It's not just what they say about you, although that's important. You shouldn't be speaking against me. But it's not just what they say and how much they tell their kids they love you. It's showing action by treating the local church with honor and with faithfulness. And if they don't do that spiritual legacy for their kids and be faithful, it's going to affect their children's long-term decisions and how the children, when they get older, treat the local church. That's why Dr. Dufresne Jenny would say, don't play kickball on Wednesday night. I don't think there is such a thing called kickball, but I think he meant soccer. But he meant anything. Don't go skating. Don't do extracurricular. If your kids have some other sports event and it hinders, it's on a time when there's a service, train them. The local church is more valuable than your soccer practice because your soccer practice isn't bringing you victory to overcome hell and devils and sickness and darkness. You can do your soccer, but it's not going to take the place of the local. See, a lot of parents, they won't do that. They'll put things before it, Jenny. And what they're doing is they're training their children. The local church doesn't really matter. It matters when it's convenient, but it doesn't matter when it's inconvenient. And you are going to start a negative spiritual legacy. And your kids will pay a price down the line and you'll be held responsible for it because God will say, if you had done the right thing and if you hadn't got offended and left so quickly, your kids would be planted in the house of God today. But because you jumped around, everything was more important and you got offended at every whiff that the pastor said, uh, it affects your kids. So I've obeyed God. And I've said the two things that he told me to tell you, plus a little extra stuff for free. Praise God. Let's, let's go forward in this new year honoring the local church and honoring me as the pastor and my wife as the pastor, not in a way to get us to be lifted up or puffed up or anything like that, but to honor the office. I magnify my office. I want you to profit. So respond right. Teach your children to respond right and you will profit. That anointing will help you. Father, I bless them and I thank you for them. Lord, I feel that anointing was so strong tonight. I don't know if they could feel it, but I could feel it on me. I just hope that I explained it right. I tried my best, Father, and with that anointing, I know you helped me explain it right. But I so desperately don't want to say it wrong. I want them to understand my heart. I'm aggressive and bold and confrontational at times, but my heart is very soft toward them. I just I want them to understand where it's coming from. The, the, the source, the root of it is love. It's because I love them. It's not because I'm trying to hurt them or rebuke them. Sometimes I have to rebuke them, but I love them. It's coming from a place to help them and to rescue them. And that's where it comes from you, Father, from your heart. Let them, have, let them receive it tonight. Let them remember the pastoral anointing in office is different to the preaching anointing office. And it's always there. It's always working. And they can take advantage of it if they'll show respect, even on the small things that they never thought was important. It's never just Pastor Craig. Well, sometimes if I'm joking, whatever it is, but... It's never, they, they can never get into that lulled, into that dece deceitful attitude of, well, it's only him. 
No, I never feel that way with Pastor Nancy. I know not everything is spiritual, but I'm always alert. I'm always aware, Father. You know, Lord, I, I answer to you. You know that about me and Jenny. We're always keenly aware that she's our pastor and that we honor her and we respect her and we help her. And we know not everything is spiritual, but we're always got the antenna out. The radar is always circling because at the most strange and unusual and inopportune and sometimes humorous times, an answer will come. Something she'll say, and the Holy Ghost will quicken in my heart and say, there's your answer. Yeah. There's your help. There's your rescue. There's your nugget. And if I had just turned her out, tuned her out, because she's just Pastor Nancy now at the table having fun, and she's not really my pastor at this moment. She's only when she's preaching. I would miss so much. There's so many answers I've got by keeping my radar tuned. Mm -hmm. Let them keep their radar tuned. Sometimes it won't be anything spiritual, but every now and then there'll be something and they got to pay attention. That's esteeming me highly for my ministry office's sake, not just my preaching sake. I give you praise. I give you glory and I give you thanks in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I bless them and I say be fruitful. I say excel under that pastoral anointing in Jesus name and prophet. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And amen.